Moving right along from self-defense to defense of others, once again, we are talking about defenses that people can make to crimes, and we just finished up self-defense. And we've talked about justification and excuse and the different kinds of defenses that people can make, but now we're going to be talking about defense of others. And we're going to be talking about the defense of habitation and property, and I'm going to combine these two topics into this single episode because, well, that's how we combined it in class, and they're both a little brief. We have people v. Kerr. What happened in this case is that uh, the mother of quadruplets, at this time, she was pregnant with quadruplets. Uh, she was being kicked in the stomach by her significant mother, uh, by her boyfriend, and she said, don't come at me again or because I'm holding your babies. And he came at her again, so she stabbed him, and she's making this defensive others argument. So she wanted the self-defense as well. She wanted the defensive others instruction. And she was denied the defensive others instruction during trial. And so that's really what this appeal was all about. The courts say that she is entitled to the defense of others instruction. Why? Or really, what limitations do they put on this? Well, they say that you can defense of others previously the traditional approach was that it didn't apply to fetuses the courts here said that it can apply to a fetus you can defend a fetus under certain circumstances first of all it needs to be the mother defending the fetus and second of all the fetus needs to be in the womb of the mother it can't go and defend frozen embryos uh, because that's that's not what's protected by this court's ruling. And so it's a very limited, narrow approach. And that's really our big takeaway from this case. I do want to talk about the alter ego rule. Uh, so, I guess hypothetical. What if you were to walk up on a situation and you see somebody who's being attacked and you rush to their aid and you tackle the person who is attacking the person who you saw being attacked. But you didn't realize that the person was actually the initial aggressor. The person who was being attacked was the initial aggressor, meaning they had started the fist fight and they had started losing and Hugh had walked in as they started losing. Or what if it's a person who is resisting arrest unlawfully? Well, there's two approaches to the alter ego rule. And the alter ego rule is, should you be liable for this mistake? The traditional rule allows you to have the defense of others if the person who you are defending had a lawful uh, could argue self-defense if the person who are you who you are helping cannot argue self-defense well then you can't use the defense of others and that's the traditional rule so for example in the hypothetical that we gave the person who you saved was the initial aggressor. As you know from self-defense, the initial aggressor 
is not entitled to self-defense, which means that you are not entitled to the defense of others underneath the alter ego rule, the traditional approach. However, the modern approach says that you are entitled if you reasonably believe that you are defending someone who is unlawfully being attacked. And the MPC adopts this modern approach into the alter ego rule. The one thing to note there, though, is that the MPC also limits this rule to people who are born alive. It does, the MPC does not approach the fetuses. So that's the defense of others. What about defense of habitation or defense of property? It's important to note that there is a difference between habitation and property. Habitation would be your home, where you're living. Property would be, like, for example, your car. Can you use life-threatening force to defend habitation? The answer is yes, under any certain circumstances. Can you use life-threatening force to defend your property? The answer is no, and the answer will always be no. There are certain things that you need to do and can do on the other way around. Let's talk about the common law. Here we have a case... And this is about the defense of habitation. It's state free boyette. Happened here is that there is an awkward love triangle. I won't get into the facts of the awkward love triangle. But let's just say that one of the people who had hurt feelings came up to the door, approached the door angrily, knocked on the door, took a step back. The person inside opens the door, sees that they're angry, pulls out a gun, and shoots them. It's pretty much a brief synopsis of this fact. Can they claim the defensive habitation. The court says that you can claim defensive habitation if the person is attempting to enter the home with the intent to commit a violent felony. That violent part is essential there. Going, intending to enter the home to commit a passive felony is not enough to claim defensive habitation as far as using life-threatening force. The interesting thing about this case is that it extended to outside the home, meaning you don't need to be inside the home to have the defensive habitation defense. It can happen outside as long as the person is attempting to come inside. So here, if the facts fit, he would be entitled to defensive habitation. However, the facts didn't fit, and the reason for that is because she knocked on the door took a step backwards, took several steps backwards, and waited for the door to open. In a sense, she was not attempting to enter the home. And so, the defendant cannot be entitled to the defense of habitation. The common, uh, sorry, the NPC approach to this outlines the certain crimes that need to be committed inside the home, or rather, attempting to try and enter the home. 
and if any of those crimes are what is intended to be committed and the person reasonably believes that that crime is what is going to be committed, well, then they can have the defense of habitation for their potential actions. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.